Are you ready? Now back to Heatway Sports. As we move into hour two of Heat Wave Sports Super Sunday Night, it's really going to be a Super Sunday Night next week as we have our Super Bowl recap show. We'll have a winner. We're going to talk a little bit about that game here in a second. I want to talk about TomMartinSports.com. Tommy, the month, or excuse me, the year, 2022. Uh, what an incredible start for you, man, over at the website. Yeah, it is I just had one of my best months that I've ever had. And, uh, you know, it started to go already bleed into February. I said I, I was mad last night because I went three and one on Saturday. My only loss was I had an under that went into overtime, right? Or else I would have hit that one. Uh, but we're talking about, you know, hitting in December. So we're on a run where November I hit 64%. December I hit 64%. And January hit 69%. Guys, these are all numbers that are can be verified. Do I expect to hit 70 damn percent for the next, uh, <laughs> you know, 12 months? No, but it's consistently. We, we also finished off, again, another year, all documented. Every one of these things, you could go back and, and you could go check it out and say, ah, you know what, no, he's not telling the truth. No, no, actually, everything that I do is documented. We can go back now, Tim, to 2011. Every single year since 2011, I have finished as a profitable sports handicapper. Every single year. I have not had a, a losing year since before that, since we started to monitor in 2011, since then. So you sign up with TomBartonSports.com. You get 30 days. There's no upselling. There's no commission. There, there, no, no, no. All it is, you go right to the website, get your plays every day, which you do, Tim, right? And, yep. and that's it. And the plays are up. There's usually one or two plays a day. I don't try to overload anybody. Um, I give you enough to, to whet your appetite, but enough to make make money every single day. And it's TomBartonSports.com. At the end of the year, you know, it's 100 bucks. At the end of the year, the most money you are going to pay me, $100 at the end of the year, if you pay me that 1200 bucks, at least you're going to get a five to six times return on your investment. That's what the consistency has been at TomBartonSports.com. This is how good TomBartonSports.com has been in the month, in the year 2022. And this is, and I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about a losing selection, Tom, because this is what it takes in order for you right now to lose a, a game. And, and it's funny that because we're, we're not trying to hide anything, like you said, everything is out in front, everything is documented. So the other night. We had some Ivy League basketball action, and there was a total in play. It involved Harvard. I forgot who they were playing. Brown, right? It was Harvard and Brown, Tom. And we had the over in this game. We being you and I, because obviously TomBartonSports.com, I, I, I play the selections. Right? It literally took a team to score eight points and a half, Tom, to lose that total. And we still almost got there with an incredible second half. I mean, it was you know double digits off the number, but team had eight points at the half, which is an anomaly when you talk about college basketball. Am I right? Was it eight points? Something eight ridiculous. Point, yeah, Brown had eight points. Yeah. You saw me complain about it on Twitter, I'm sure, too. Brown had eight points at the half. <laughs> and actually, I, I had already hit Yale earlier in the day. Um, you know, I had the Yale over earlier in the day, and I'm going, ah, sweet, my, my, my Harvard, you know, they're coming. My concern 
all year long has been with Harvard's defense. Harvard's defense has it, just been terrible. They gave him 45 and a half the, the game before that. And Brown goes out there and puts out eight at the half at home. Oh, by the way, they put up yeah. eight at the half. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you get those. That, that's, <laughs> but that's what it takes to lose because the and the thing about Tom Barton Sports is when you when you release the selections, you get a small write up and you talked about the defensive issues on both squads. Because in the second half, it played out exactly how you you, you wrote it. I think Brown scored over forty in the second half. So if you kind of look at the law of averages and they scored 35 or 40 in the first half, we would have crushed the over on that. Actually, if Brown would have scored 18, <laughs> we would have crushed the over. <laughs> oh. I'm asking, uh, put it this way. If they were scored 18, I would have been like, how do you score only 18 points? <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, eight, eight points at the half. That was an interesting one. But anyways, that my point being is that's how hot you are, that it takes something weird like that in order to lose a game. And you still... You, you did well in the rest of the games on that day. So, you know, it's by, it's by the way, by the way, Tim, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but no, nobody's perfect except me, by the way, I'm now 11 and 0 in the NBA. I've only played 11 games all year. And people are like, <laughs> oh man, you don't play any games. Like, Listen, I play 11 games all year. I hit the Celtics the other night. I'm 11 and 0 in the NBA. And I chuckle at it because I know it's not going to last, but um, 11 and 0 in the NBA. You can't, can't argue with that right now. I am really really, really picking my spots. I think that the NBA this year is uh, is pretty tight all around, but there are some spots that kind of just jump off the page. That was actually the same day, Tom. It was Boston, Yale, and over in that uh, that Brown-Harvard game. That was the same yep. day. So. Yes, yeah, two in one day. And I'll take a two in one day every day of the week. <laughs> yep. So before we look at some props uh, and we look at the game, I, I, I had to ask you a question. Did, did you know that the Olympic Games are on right now? Did you know that? Uh, uh, are they? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there, right? I mean, if, if you play the Olympic Games but nobody watches, are, are the Olympic Games really on, Tim? Um, uh, yeah, I think this is, it's a disgrace. First of all, I wouldn't watch this communist nonsense anyway. Um, but I do tend to like the Olympic Games. I, I, I like the Olympic Games because some of it's fun. You know, Chris Witten wrote us before, and he's like, come on, Tom, you don't like curling? I love curling, you know? Curling's like the, the weekend dad dude's just kind of going out there, and, and I'm not going to say that I don't enjoy the women's curling, right? So I, I like curling. I like some of this. But here's the thing. They did a terrible job of promotion this year. Usually you go into the Winter Olympics, you know five, six, seven people that you're kind of pulling for. You know the names, all right? Uh, the snowboarders, maybe an alpine skier or two, you know, a figure skater. We know them. You know, they're, they're, uh, they built up their celebrity in some way. I don't know. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody playing. There's, there's nobody that's close to playing that, that I care about. I mean, and nobody at all. And you just look at it and you go, the Olympics did this to themselves. Putting it in a, a place where they are allowing them to have it held, not promoting it at all. I don't see commercials for it. I don't see people. I don't see like people eating Subway and going, oh, oh that guy's pretty cool. I'm going to go with that. There's no Dan and Dave, right? I mean, there's just nothing. They, they did nothing to get me excited for it, Tim. And, and with the NHL pulling the players out, they lose the hockey competition, at least from the, the superstar aspect of it. So I expected a little bit of uh, regression there. But I believe, Tom, it's one of the lowest watch Olympics ever. Yeah, I read somewhere that the opening ceremonies were down 28% and it was the lowest watched opening ceremonies in like 20 years or so. Uh, and it doesn't shock me, right? I mean, 
how can it possibly shock you where you have somebody committing those kind of atrocities out there, um, you know, getting cheered, uh, get, getting, uh, you know, you, you don't want to watch the opening ceremonies for anything more than the celebration of where they are, right? I, you watch the soul ceremonies. Oh, cool. Oh, I didn't know that about soul. That's you, you watch it to learn about where the place is, you know, um, where they're holding these, uh, the ceremony, where they're holding the Olympics. You kind of watch it for that. There's no interest in it for me to watch it there at, at all. And then you're, you know, I mean, just the, the tenor of the world is not exactly a celebratory tenor of the world where you have, you know, Russia and Ukraine and all that going on. It, it's, it's a bad timing for it. And you could have gotten past that if you had stories. Who's the story of the Olympics right now, Tim? Who's the story that the entire country is going to, you know, rally behind and, and jump on board? There's just nobody. There's unfortunately, look, somebody might come out of this and be the story. But right now, they just didn't play it up enough. They didn't. It's their fault that I don't know who's playing, who's the team, who are we inspired by, where's the Olympic bobsled team. You know, it's their problem that they didn't promote it like this. Yeah, you're right. If if it was about uh stories you talk about stories if if there was a going into the men's figure skating or something and you had a a, a story on Chaz Michaels Michaels right tom from Blaze of glory that <laughs> yeah that's great we want to see that nobody cares that's that's the thing here we go again nobody cares and maybe it's a little bit of and i know the two olympics are are split and generally the summer audience is the bigger one but you have to remember too coming out of the summer olympics which nobody was allowed to attend it wasn't that big either, other than the, the big right, basketball, right? It, was, it wasn't that big either. So, But there's always, it, it seems to me, and, and, and I'm going to get like canceled for saying this, but it seems to me that there's always, you know, uh, some skiers that are doing like lick bomb commercials and stuff. And, and you know, there's always some uh, snowboarders that are doing commercials for this or that. And, and they're young and they're fun and they're good looking and you're kind of like, oh, that's cool. Who's that person? Oh, 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 that's Lindsey Vaughn. Oh, oh, that that's white. Yeah, oh, that's, you know, you have it on both sides. It, it, it just wasn't there. I usually watch a commercial a couple of weeks before time and you start to see the same person. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that guy existed. I guess he's a snowboarder. And then now I've watched his commercial 15 times. I'm going, all right, cool. This guy, this guy's all right. Or there's a, a, a woman and you go, wow. Oh, she seems fun. She seems awesome. Okay, I'll root for her. I haven't seen any of that, Tim. There's no commercials. There's no endorsements. There's no pushing. Who are they pushing this year? I don't know. I used to be able to name. I can name skiers. I can name figure skaters. I can name snowboarders. I don't watch those events outside of the Olympics, you know? If I can name them, well, you've done your job. And maybe the, the argument's going to be, well, you know, they're not going to get the endorsements until after they win. But no, that's not always true. A lot of them are kind of building it up and building it up before time. I don't know anybody. I don't know one person that's competing in the Olympics this year. Maybe they need a scandal, Tom. You know, you need a PET bust on the Olympics. I don't. I, it could be a lot of where it's at too, right? Like you said, it that has a lot to do with it. I, I will say this though, Tim. I know one person that's not in the Olympics this year. Megan Raponi. Yeah. And, and that, huh. that makes me feel really good. Yeah. That that was the best news that came out of the Olympics. <laughs> Didn't make the team, Tom. Didn't, Didn't make the make team. The team. No. Yeah, it's fantastic. I It's so much better than, like, being canceled for something that you said. Being canceled because you suck. That, that, that <laughs> just, that's awesome. That's fantastic. 
Maybe she can get a job working at Subway. That'll be cool. Hey. We all have to humble ourselves at some right? Yeah, she didn't humble herself. They humbled her for her. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's what I like. Her, it wasn't her like mouth. She, she, she didn't ceremoniously walk away here, Tim. <laughs> her, her mouth caught up to her. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, exactly. So we got this game coming up next week, right? Pretty big game. And, and as we move into the Super Bowl week, Tom, the the line sits at four and a half. The, the total sits at 48 and a half. Are, are we locked in on this number? Is it at four, four and a half? That's pretty much where we're going to. I don't see any major movement off that, correct? I don't, but don't be surprised if there is. Because yeah, I spoke to a sportsbook director this week that told me 70% of all of the money that they get on the Super Bowl comes on Saturday and Sunday. 70%, Tim. So I think we're pretty locked in. I don't think it's going to move. I don't think it gets back down to three and a half, and I don't think it gets to a five, right? So I think we're in that middle ground. But don't be shocked if it does. Don't be shocked if all of a sudden we wake up on Sunday morning and it's three and a half because everybody that says, that you know, that fun money. I talked about this on my show this morning. Uh, you know, on the Sports Garden Network. It's fun It's fun money. It's fun money. You know, the casinos love fun money, right? And I wouldn't be surprised if it went down to three and a half. It wouldn't shock me if it went up to five or five and a half and everybody jumped on the Rams that are coming to Vegas and pouring money in. Um, because so much money is left to be spent. Like I said, 70%. That's a lot of tickets to be written. That's a lot of money to be be called in but i think we're pretty stable i don't see it moving too much off of this line i think that we're going to wind up settling at four and a half not the four to be honest with you yeah i see a lot of four and a half still so maybe you go depending on how where the line sits when you're going to bet it or shop around right tom half a point makes a difference sometimes yeah absolutely and i told people right away i said if you like the rams take this three and a half because it was never getting to three you know what i mean it was never getting to three so the only thing it was going to do is either you were locked in for two weeks and you had your money kind of like locked up for two weeks or you're going to get a good line. I told everybody that the, the minute we I think we were on the other that night, the minute that it happened, I said, hey, guys, take that three and a half. If you like if you like the Rams, if you like the Bengals, wait it out. And I'm still sitting here going, if you like the Bengals, do not settle for a four. There's four and a halfs out there. It, it, it won't go lower than a four. So, you know, sit back, wait, and you might you might be able to catch a five. So storyline-wise, in Super Bowl week, you know, you have the, the media, the glitz, the glamour. You have a, a Cinderella team, essentially, in the Bengals with a, a young quarterback, a young receiver, and knocking off Titans to get to, to this game. And then you have the Rams, who pretty much built in the offseason to be in this spot. You know, what storylines do we look at, Tom, without really breaking the game down, per se? What outside factors could contribute to this. Could a situation like McConnell, the OC, and the Rams leaving be a deterrent to this team, or is it just like they're just ready to play this game and it doesn't matter? No, I think they're just ready to play the game, but I do think that one of the really inside of the game things that is being overlooked, I spoke to Rashad about this today because I, I was like, Rashad, from a player's perspective, how much does it mean? He basically said, like, a lot, Tom, you know? One of the things that is not being talked about at all is the relationship between McVay and Taylor. No one seems to be really bringing this up, how much these two are going to know what the other one wants to do, how much in sync these two are going to be. We hear Burrow and Stafford and Donald and blah, 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 and Odell. You hear the names, you hear the teams. This is one of the least 
talked about coaching matchups that I can remember. And when you're talking about coaching matchups, you know, we, we remember when McVay went against Belichick. That was that was the story. It was Tom Brady was secondary. That was the story. Um, you know, Shanahan went against, you know, Andy Reid. Well, that was the story. Somehow or another, Taylor against McVay is being pushed aside as almost a secondary story. And Tim, I think it's it's a highlight point. If you're handicapping this game, if you're breaking this game down, you've got to take into consideration how these two absolutely know each other. Is it not a storyline because they're not high-profile coaches like the likes of some of the guys? I think McVay is. I think McVay is. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's all over my TV. McVay's been in the Super Bowl, too. Yeah, well, that was the other thing that I mentioned this morning, by the way. Um, I, if McVay goes 0-2 in the Super Bowl, isn't it like crisis mode almost? <laughs> Right. As good as he is. And he, you know, if he met you in a bar at four o'clock in the morning in Vegas, you know what? You have a chance to you're going to go for a coaching job. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's how McVeigh, everything he touches turns to gold. McVeigh this, McVeigh that, McVeigh. If if McVeigh goes 0-2 in the Super Bowl, that's a hard thing to recover from him that you you can't recover from that. I mean, that is just one of those ouch moments. And nobody's thinking about that. Everyone's going, ah, if he wins, he's going to be the youngest coach ever. Yeah. But if he loses. How much does that ding him up? It's Marv Levy status. Yeah, it really is. Look, for you to go, here, here's why I say you can never recover, ever. I don't care how young he is, you can never recover from 0-2. And here's why. <clears throat> you go 0-2, you have to win two more Super Bowls to get back to 500. You're not recovered. 2-2, two two, you're not recovered, okay? 3-2, you're still not recovered. People going, all right, game over 500. 4-2. Yeah, you kind of recover. You got to go about five and two to erase those two. You got to go four and two, maybe, but five and two uh, completely erases it. That means you can't recover. You're not winning. Sean McVay's not winning five more Super Bowls if he loses this one. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. And you start to look at a career and you go, if you go 0 and 2, your career could never, ever, ever recover from that. Whereas Taylor playing with house money, Tom. not supposed to be here to begin with so i think the stress pressure definitely fo- sits on the favorite in la sits on sean mcveigh and, and hell it's even sitting on matt stafford right tom i know he's he's he went there he's won in the playoffs now he got this monkey off his back again joe burrow's playing house money and, and stafford is almost positioned into a spot now where he's like well he's the better quarterback right he should win this game but what if he doesn't Tim, I talked about Matt Stafford on my YouTube channel. I would love for you guys to go check out the YouTube channel. And I got the best compliment this week. I, I wish I could remember um, the guy's name. I don't have it up right now. It's somebody I, I, you know, I've never, doesn't listen to our radio show, just the YouTube channel. And he said, this is the best breakdown uh, from a, a suffering Lions fan that I've seen of, of Matt Stafford and Super Bowl. And I spoke about it on my YouTube channel. It's Tom Barton Sports, by the way, about Stafford and his legacy. And it's such a weird situation that, Somehow or another, Matthew Stafford, a guy that toiled away in Detroit, that horrendous situation his entire career, he's the big bully now. He's not the, the guy that people are rooting for. He's not the, the guy that you're going out there and going, the, the, the world is going, yeah, you know what, we want Stafford to win. No, he's, he's the villain. Matt Stafford's a villain somehow. Um, but with a win, Tim, he changes everything. With a win in this Super Bowl, Matt Stafford all of a sudden starts to be looked at as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. 
He walks into the, You could argue today, if he would have retired before the playoffs today, there would be a good argument, does he go to the Hall of Fame? I think that he probably does. There's a lot of people that would argue against it. He was 16, 17 games under 500 for his career. He was 0-3 in the playoffs, right? But at 34 years old or 33 years old, he turns around. He goes 3-0 in the playoffs. He's completed 71% of his passes. He had 41 touchdowns this year, the most he's ever had. He's had an MVP-type season. He's had a tremendous playoffs. And he tops it off with that ring. That ring, Tim, means everything in the NFL and means everything for a quarterback. All of a sudden, the guy that's ranked 12th right now, passing yards, 12th in touchdowns, he's top 12 right now. But nobody looks at him because he doesn't have the ring. You give him that W, you give him that Super Bowl ring, I think we need to start talking about Matthew Stafford. Not in the top 10 of all time, but certainly in the top 20. Top 20 quarterbacks ever. Yeah, I think Stafford goes there. And you can start to look at Stafford's career, and now, because this is what we are as a society, we automatically see the next great thing. You start to look at the NFC. You start to look at, well, what is the NFC going to be in the next two or three years? Stafford's got a chance to add multiple rings and all of a sudden climb up that list. With a win here, Matthew Stafford, I think, establishes himself as a top 20 all-time quarterback. I think Matthew Stafford has a real opportunity to end his career fighting for that top 10 if he wins here. Tim, if he loses, all the naysayers are going to come out. Yeah, he made it, but you know what? Another loss. And Matthew Stafford's career will start to be summed up in great player, great accomplishments, was a loser. And there's a lot of good quarterbacks that are like that, but that's what he's going. He's going to look a lot more like Jim Kelly than he is, you know, uh, you know, into the top 10. And I love Jim Kelly, but that's what people look at you just inevitably as. It'll start to look like a Warren Moon. I love Warren Moon. Warren Moon never got over the hump. That's the Matthew Stafford that is on the line here. Amazing how one game dictates what side of the fence you're on, right, Tom? Winner or loser, it all comes down. And that's what I meant about the, the, the stress pressure that he has, whereas Joe Burrow, he's just going to go out and fire away. But, Tim, what about Joe Burrow? Look, look at him. Look, he's got a lot of the same things as well. Now, he doesn't have the pressure, but look, with a loss here, Joe Burrow becomes the, ah, fluke. <laughs> ah, he got lucky. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, he's good. He's a good player, but you know what? Uh, uh, he's got plenty of time to maybe do this again. But, but yeah, it was it was an easy path. You know, he took on the weakest number one seed ever. Got lucky against that Mahomes imploded. That's the conversation. If Joe Burrow wins, though, Tim, there's a legitimate conversation to be had that Joe Burrow's the best player in football. There's a legitimate conversation to be had that he just overtook Mahomes, and that he is now the face of the NFL. I mean, it's hard to argue. He went up to Mahomes' house and beat him head-to-head. Then, you know, he's been the underdog. He's the guy everybody in the country wants to root for. He's the un- was the underdog, you know, on the road against Tennessee, the underdog on the road against Kansas City. He was the guy that didn't get drafted. He's the guy that we sit back looking at smoking a cigar. He was the underdog against Alabama. I mean, he all of a sudden becomes maybe the face of the league. He might take over. Patrick Mahomes and run with this thing. We've I've already read comparisons, sickening comparisons, but I've read comparisons. He's the next Brady. He only cares about winning. Mahomes is all about the flash, and he's, he reminds us of Aaron Rodgers, and you go, here we go again, right? I mean, maybe that would happen. So I think it's, it, there, while there's no pressure, I think this is massively important for Joe Burrow's career. 
Burrow has has the the built-in excuse though, Tom, that if he loses, he's only in year two, whereas Matt Stafford is far longer in the tooth. True, but we watched Dan Marino in year one, and we said, yeah, he'll be back there. Yeah, you're right. You know, we watched never Patrick got Mahomes. Back there, yeah. Right, we watched Patrick Mahomes, and we said, man, here's the beginning of a dynasty. Yeah, yeah, not so much, right? Right. Yeah, it's going to be. The storylines building into it's going to be great. I, I like watching during the week too. The just sometimes trying to read the their faces of, of the in, during the interviews to see the reaction, uh, whether the stress is getting to them or not. Tom, you know a lot. You can tell a lot sometimes during media week of how these guys are handling it. Tim, just a couple of other storylines. I, I want to get your take on a couple. I'll throw a bunch out there. You, you hit what you want, right? Um, these are the things I was talking about on YouTube as well. Uh, Whitworth. You know, older than both coaches, has more snaps in Cincinnati than anybody else. He's a story. Uh, how about Eric Weddle sitting on his couch, retired for two years, coming back and winning a Super Bowl? He's a story. Odell Beckham completely changing what we think about him. He's a story. And what about Cooper Cup? Cooper Cup will, with a Super Bowl win, this is the greatest year from a wide receiver in the history of the game. You know, that's something else. So, I, there's a couple other storylines as well. Hit on some of those. The cup story is is what we want to see. I love that one. I think just the year he had, and uh, before Beckham gets there, right? They lose Robert Woods, which was an integral part of that one-two punch, and really he stepped the game up. Instead of instead of using it as an excuse or being used as an excuse for them to fail, he stepped his game up. And yeah, Jefferson came along here and there, but the Beckham. Uh, you said it, re, basically revitalizing his image and in, in what he's done for this team. And I'll even throw one back at you. What about the story of the best player on the field and being Aaron, Aaron Donald? And, and really, he's not being talked about right now, Tom. No, and he's a guy that, you know, I'm starting to hear conversations this week that he's the greatest defensive player of all time. Um, first of all, to that, calm down. No, he's not. <laughs> you know, first of all. But it's going to be a lot harder for me to argue if he's sitting there with a ring, right? I mean, that, that, that's the thing. When you start to build a resume, you're trying to shut up the people that are against that resume. So when I say Aaron Donald is absolutely not the best defensive player of all time, my argument gets a little weaker with a ring here, Tim. Yeah. Look, I know we're doing our predictions next week and we're going to break the game down. I just, I look at the Rams being built to be here and, and, and just the, the moves they made. You Obviously you have Donald, but Leonard Floyd and Vaughn Miller. You said Weddle, who even retired and back in Ramsey, one of the best corners in the game. You know, they're, they're sitting in a situation where they, they knew they were built to be here and it's going to be whether Joe Burrow can attack that defense and, and score points. And that, that's what it's going to come down to because I think the Rams I think the Rams are going to be able to score, Tom. So it's Cincinnati's going to have to keep up. The Rams are going to be able to score is what we're all just assuming. But I spoke about this this morning. We we look at this Bengals team, and I think we're underrating their defense. Uh, and, and again, I'm still breaking the game. I truthfully right now do not have a, a side that I'm going with. But I will say this. In breaking the tape down, and maybe it's because I started with the Bengals this week. In breaking the tape down, you look at the Bengals and you go, in round one, as uninspiring as the Raiders might have been, they had the number six passing offense in the league. The Bengals shut them down. In in week two, and I'm talking about the playoffs, in week two of the playoffs, 
all of a sudden, they had to switch it up, and now they're going up to a top-five rushing attack in the league in Tennessee. They shut them down. And then in week three of the playoffs, they went out and held Patrick Mahomes in the second half in overtime to the worst second half in overtime, uh, worst football play I've ever seen by Patrick Mahomes. So you're talking about the number six passing offense, they could shut down the pass, the number a top-five rushing offense, they could shut down the rush, and Patrick Mahomes in the second half at home in a playoff game to go to the Super Bowl. We are not giving the Bengals defense enough credit here, Tim. Tom Barton, Tim Unglesby, Heat, Wave Sports. Take our final time out. And yes, when we come back, we're going to talk props. We're going to look at some of the fun ones. We're going to look at some of the ones that maybe we could make some easy money on. And we'll look at the standard ones, right? It's a lot of value out there and tons and tons of opportunities to make money. We'll take a look at what we like on the other side of this break. It's Heat Wave Sports. It's Fox Sports Radio. This is you, baby. This is you. You must show us some respect. It's a seesaw battle. Neither offense can move. Colts driving now with the ball. Armadillos better stop him. Now, how could the ref call that? It was a clean kick to the face mask. props give out some of the ones we like uh, look at the odds and look at the ones that maybe are or there's the, the popular ones that, that Tom and I think are being overbet and um, this, this is where the fun begins Tom because like you've done over the years you've actually made way more money betting the prop bets than you've bet on the side or the total now I'll do it again here <laughs> you know I mean I told you I'm still breaking the game down I will I I can say with full confidence I will not have a huge bet on the Super Bowl uh, side in total unless something changes here I, I won't have a huge bet on it I've already circled quite a few games where I'm going quite a few props where I'm going ooh that's gonna be a big one oh I'm gonna hammer that one oh, I gotta I gotta set, set aside a couple of grand for that one you know yeah I'm I'm getting excited here you know it's easy to say when you look at the the easy props and i say easy in that the ones that are bet on even now week to week so you have the two quarterbacks over yardage or over touchdowns and the big a big spotlight is on cooper cup and we mentioned him in the last segment just the season he's had a record-breaking season so cooper cup props tommy in this uh super bowl game are are very popular and you even talked to me off air about the the one right so it's total yards by Cooper Cup in the Super Bowl and you think it's already been inflated I get, I got this as soon as it came out and I got it at over 103 and I got it at over 103 with the full expectation that this would continue to go up it's 105 at some places 106 some places right now I think it gets to 108 and I'm going to try to middle it Tim uh, but I have a couple of stats for you here right Cooper Cup on the year if you just rode him to his over receiving yards 
18 and four, including the playoffs. Guy just goes over every single time. I mean, he just goes over every single time. As a matter of fact, he's had 10 targets and 106 or more yards receiving in 11 of the 16 games of the last 16 games. I mean, and he, and six straight. He is in a different realm right now. You can't set this number high enough. So I liked when I looked at the. Obviously, I looked at it, and I'm like, 100 yards. Okay, I get it. If he has a MVP type game, he's gonna he's gonna hit that. But I looked at two other ones that I liked much better, Tommy, with Cooper Cup. And the first one is a, is a yardage situation, but it was for longest reception. So I saw a Cooper Cup longest reception over 28 yards. He has that ability to break tackles and beat beat defenders. I like that one a little bit. See, I now here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk you out of it, mm-hmm. but not really. I like it as well, but I talked about this on my show this morning. There are ways to, to manipulate the line. Over is 28 and a half yards for Cooper Cup, longest reception, right? Yep. Longest reception for any team is set at 29 and a half, Tim. Okay. So for a yard more, you got everybody, and it's paying the same amount of money. So that's where you could kind of manipulate the prop play line. This is why I love prop plays. Why would you just put your money into Cooper Cup for one yard more? You have everybody. And if you think Cup's going to do it, well, great. He's going to, if he's getting 28 and a half, he's getting 29 and a half, right? So go take a shot at the entire field, the longest touchdown or reception in, I mean, the long, longest reception in the entire game, 29 and a half. That's why we have you, Tom, to enlighten us with that because, yeah, the extra half yard, you get the whole. You get the you get every player basically. So everybody, yep. Yeah. And it, it you know so it, it doesn't matter who it's coming from. Uh, sit back and roof a cup to do it, but know that you have the the cushion of anybody else. Okay, so what about this one then? We all know that Cooper Cup to score a touchdown, you're getting what uh, minus two hundred, right? So what about Cooper Cup to score a touchdown in the second half, where you're getting almost two to one plus? So it's plus one eighty. If you look at eight of his last t- 10 touchdowns in the regular season came in the second half, even in the postseason, he has four touchdowns, two in the second half. Why not take a gander and say he gets a touchdown in the second half at almost two to one? If it's a close game, that's the guy that they're going to target at the end. And if it's a situation where they need to score, he's a guy that, as we saw in, in the game against Tom Brady and the Bucks, if he can get open, you know, he, he gets you to the end zone. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. The only thing I would argue against it, and I'm not arguing against it because I don't think that, is if you believe the Rams blow the team out. That's the only reason that that you would go against this. I don't think they do. I think we get a good game. Um, so, yeah, I like that. That's a, that's a pretty good one. I got one more with the receiver. We all know Chase Higgins, who in, your, in my mind and your mind right there is the number one guy. But you can get Tyler Boyd to score a touchdown at three to one. Not not so bad as far as value. I like Boyd. I like the 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 over the four and a half catches. Actually, I think they could use him in the slot. Here's the thing. I'll, I'll get bring up a, a good point because I I went dating into this. Actually, Tyler Boyd has been losing slot uh, possessions here to Higgins. Higgins is playing the slot when they get inside the red zone. Something to pay attention to. So. You know, on the surface, I can't talk you out of it because I like Tyler Boyd, but I have noticed over the playoff run here, he's losing snaps in the end zone in the slot position when they get into that red zone position. 
about you, Tommy? So give us a few of the ones that really stand out to you. Well, you know, every year I like the over for stacks. Every single year. But this year they set it at a ridiculous number. It's five or even five and a half in some spots, Tim. So what am I going to do? I'm not going to force action and expect six sacks. But I can manipulate the line. I love manipulating the line. You could go out there and you could take the Rams team total sacks over three at minus 110. And the Bengals over sacks minus one and uh, over one and a half. And you're minus 145. So instead of needing six sacks, I now need five sacks. But I can also not get hurt as long as just the Bengals just get two. And, you know, maybe the Rams tie. Maybe the Rams don't win. Well, I don't get hurt either as long as the Bengals get there too. And if the Rams go over and the Bengals don't, well, that's okay too because I only lose a little bit. So instead of taking the over five sacks, take each individual team to go over and you kind of give yourself a little a little bit of a, a cushion there. Mm-hmm. What about player ones? Player props, I don't love a lot this year right now. Look, I think that if you think that Cincinnati is going to play well at all, you've got to jump on Joe Burrow minus one fifty-five to throw two touchdowns. I mean, that's going to be a very popular one. But if you think that the Bengals are going to compete, and I do, you've got to take the over for the for the touchdowns there. I mean, it, it just has to happen. Um, another thing is, I would I would look at Sonny Michelle. I was talking to you off the air about this. Sonny Michelle to score touchdowns plus three seventy-five. Um, I think he's going to get some goal line work. I think if they get close, you're all getting almost four to one with a guy that might get that goal line work. Now, I do think that Cam Akers has a good game. I think that Cam Akers has a game where you might be able to have a conversation about him for a Super Bowl MVP. I get it. But I do think that inside the five-yard line, if they get there, it's a Sonny Michelle show, and I'll take him at almost four to one. Beckham. Beckham props should be popular. He's... 65 and a half on the receiving yards um, seems to me anytime touchdown you can get almost even money right Tom something to look at he's got 19 targets the last two games so I mean they they are absolutely giving up uh, you know some plays and the Bengals secondary gave up 21 touchdowns this season so th- this could be it and I, and I do think there are times where guys are forced. Right, And I think that Odell is one of those players that Stafford early on in the game is going to try to force feed him. I like the touchdowns more than the receptions here because, like you said, if Stafford needs uh, you know, to go to someone, he's not going to Odell. He's going to Cup. And that, that's, that's where I'm pulling off the receptions. The yardage, you kind of need Odell to break one. I sort of like the yardage. I don't love it. But I do like the touchdown, and, and you're seeing even money. I'm seeing still plus money in some spots. You could get them at plus 115, um, and I'll take a shot that Odell gets into the end zone. Stay with the Rams. Cam Akers, you mentioned the situation with Michelle on the goal line. <clears throat> what about Akers' yardage, 63, lean under here? Yeah, I'm very torn. I'm torn because of his fumbling problems. I would I would be pounding the over. I think the Rams are going to try to establish the run. I think they're going to put the game down. Um, I, I don't think that they want to get into a shootout with Joe Burrow. And I think that they know that they're more physical. With that being said, I don't know if Cam Akers is going to be the guy completely. Look, he's got fumbling issues that we just watched in the playoffs. I don't know if McVay trusts him in those spots to go, all right, we're just going to hand him the ball 20 times. No. Chances are, and you see his total, by the way, his carries opened up at 14 and a half. It's up to 17. 
I think that's right about where he gets. I think he gets 14, 15 carries. 14, 15 carries, you know, eh, he'll probably get about 70 yards, but I, I don't love the fact that I'm looking at this and saying 63. I saw it at 65 and a half in some spots, Tim. You know, it's going up. People are all over acres, and I think it's going to be very close. I think we're going to be within five yards or so. As much as we talk about Beckham and Cup, you look at the other end, I brought up uh, Boyd to score, Higgins getting more slot time, as you said. But, but what about the, the rookie and Chase? So the first two playoff games, he put up 100-yard games against the Chiefs, back down to 54. So his over-receiving yards in the Super Bowl, 78-and-a-half. I, I love the under. I, don't, I, I just can't go near this. Tim, you look at this and you go, if you are the defensive coordinator, if you're Raheem Morris, right, and you're the defensive coordinator for the Rams, what are you saying? Don't let Chase beat you. And then you look at Jalen Ramsey and you go, you're the best corner in the league or one of the best corners in the league, right? Not only are you going one-on-one with him, we're also going to give you help and we're going to make sure he doesn't beat us. That's why I like Higgins so much because I think they are going to do every single thing possible to shut Chase down. And that means giving Ramsey help, which is unheard of. You're not going to put Ramsey on an island. There's no way they're going to put Ramsey one-on-one out there for very long, even if, uh, you know, he is there early in the game. They're going to help him. So I think Chase is going to have a, kind of a quiet game on the stat line. I think he's going to do a lot to pull guys off and to open up Higgins and Boyd. And that's why I like Higgins and Boyd, and I don't like Chase here. And if you kind of go with the theory of, and I'm just looking at potential odd situations here. So what if Chase just goes off, right, Tom? Scores two, three touchdowns, and they win the Super Bowl. If you got the dispensable money, get chase at 16 to one to win the MVP. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. I, I always look at the MVP and I cross everybody off except for quarterbacks. I just can't go near it, Tim. You know, there are some guys that you go down the list and you go, yeah, Cooper cup, he's worth a shot. You know, Cam Akers might be worth a shot. Uh, Like you said, Jamar chase might be worth a shot. There might be some guys worth a shot, but we we've seen too many times in history, go back to the Atlanta and Tom Brady story, right? Uh, James White deserved the MVP in that Super Bowl. He did. He deserved it. But there's no way that Tom Brady wasn't getting the MVP. (laughs) You know, I mean, there's just no way. It's just going. Not only do you need your player to be extraordinarily good, you need the quarterback to be mediocre. Right. And if you're scoring two or three touchdowns, the passes are coming from said quarterback. Yes. So. Yeah, that's why wide receivers are so difficult. You might be able to get a running team with a running back. You might be able to get a defensive player and say, "Ah, I'll take a shot at a defensive guy," which I still think is crazy because there's only been, you know, three in, in the last 25 years that have won it. Um, fluky things happen. I'm not saying that they don't, but wide receivers are tough because, yeah, and and not only that, but wide receivers are tough because the NFL also has an agenda. Remember what we always say: this is not something that you could put a a value on. You can't concrete numbers this someone's voting on this and someone in the nfl offices is going joe burr's the new face of the of of the league make sure he gets the mvp right yeah. uh somebody in the nfl office is going that Stafford's like the greatest story that we've had in the last 10 years make sure he gets the mvp you know chase and cup are nice stories and these guys are and odell's a good story but unless they go absolutely ballistic the the quarterbacks are getting it because they're going to sell tickets they're going to sell money and the nfl is all about the green how about a defensive one? So you talked about the sacks earlier, 
Aaron Donald registered a sack, 190. Von Miller, 170. Trey Hendrickson, 140. Hell, you can get Leonard Floyd to register a stack plus money, Tom, 130. That's my guy, Leonard Floyd. I like him plus money. I don't want to. I don't want to have to count on anybody to get a sack, especially Aaron Donald, who gets that upfront push. But I think that you know he it's going to be coming from the corners, if anything. So Leonard Floyd's my guy. You give me plus money with Leonard Floyd, and I like Hendricks. I, I mean, I I think that Trey is a guy that gets underrated a lot, and I think that people are not realizing that this Rams pass, uh, this Rams offensive line on their pass rush can be susceptible to some pressure. So yeah, yeah you're giving me plus money there. I'll take some plus money. Trey caused Mahomes and Carr fits, and Allen too. He he caused re- wrecked havoc there in those games. So yeah. that's a guy that I would say, you know what? If you want to take a stab at an MVP, go after him because if the Bengals win, the Bengals are going to play a really good defensive game, and we've watched them turn around and play a defensive game against Mahomes, against the Titans, against the Raiders. And it might be one of those wow, they really shut down McVay's offense. You got to give it to a defensive guy, and if you. You're in the position where guys are, are going, you got to give it to a defensive guy. Who are you going to stare at except the leader, which is going to be right there? And, Tommy, I know we'll, we'll talk more about it next Saturday, but give me a fun one. We'll be doing the length of the anthem. We're going to toy and coin toss here. We're doing uh, what color is the Gatorade going to be? I will not touch the coin toss. You know that. Come on. <laughs> and I don't I don't really like any of these these big ones here. You know, overtime is now 750. Safety is 800. Are you kidding me? I remember. I, I remember. I remember when it was 10 to 1 or 12 to 1, right? Here's here's one that I, I absolutely like um, that I think is, is a fun one. How about a lead change in the fourth quarter plus 200? Lead change in the last two minutes of the game plus 700, Tim. How about a close game where we get some lead changes? Take them both and you can have a, a little bit of a, a nice little cushion. And you got the fourth quarter going. All right. Now you're rooting for whoever's behind. Here's my theory on on the Gatorade. If the Rams win, it'll be blue. If the Bengals win, it'll be orange. Right? Isn't that pretty pretty simplistic? Yeah, and those are usually the two, uh, you know, that that are are mostly done. The one year wasn't done, and now they have to put out a, a wasn't done kind of out there. <laughs> I saw that this year. You know, no Gatorade. I'm like, what what are we talking about here? <laughs> the best prop play that I saw, Tim. Someone will uh, propose after the game. And the way it's written, I'm going, after the game? Well, someone's going to propose eventually. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right? I, I could be yep. sitting there, you know, in the year 2025 and be like, oh, by the way, Joe Burrow just proposed. Where's my money? Well, Tommy, we are less than a week away from the Super Bowl preview show. It's going to be a fun time next Saturday night here on Heatwave Sports. But to get there, you're going to have a busy week ahead of you as well. Talk about everything that you're doing with uh, Tom Barton himself. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I will have a couple of videos up this week at Tom Barton Sports over on YouTube. Also, Wagering Week is the podcast. Believe in Betting is the podcast. I still have my Ivy League podcast, which you would have gotten some winners with this week. And, oh, by the way, I will be on Sunday morning sitting in with Rashad Jennings for the full two hours to lead up into the Super Bowl. All that at Sports Garden Network. And check out TomBartonSports.com, guys. TomBartonSports.com.